0: Hey everyone, welcome to Brothers Who Teach episode three. Uh, this time we're gonna do things a little bit different. It's gonna be a little bit more uh Jamil's facilitating and I'm answering the questions because today we are talking
1: about state tests. Before we do that, I wanted to say a couple things about the pod. We're you know, obviously new at this and we're fleshing some things out, but I guess now we should start to say where you can listen to us. Um and part of that has been I've been setting up everything. And now we are available to be listened to on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Stitcher as well. Our podcast is made through Anchor, so technically you could go through anchor.fm and find us there too. But um, those are the main places where you can find us.
0: Hey, everyone. I'm Joe.
1: And I'm Jameel,
0: And we're Brothers Who Teach. I'm a middle school public math teacher,
1: and I teach English and Arabic at an all-boys boarding school.
0: While we don't have all the answers and never will, we'd like to share some tips and tricks we've learned from our years of teaching, as well as our failures, and maybe we can take away something from you, the listener, along the way.
1: So whether you're trying to survive your first year of teaching, a veteran looking to add something new to your class, or anything in between, we hope we have something to offer for you. All right, so we'll begin today. Uh, Yeah, we're talking about testing and specifically standardized testing. I can tell by my brother's face it's like his favorite thing in the world. I think he has a lot of thoughts about it. But I'm going to let that be a teaser because first maybe we can just talk about testing in general. This is maybe kind of a follow-up of our last episode where we talked about grading. But with your tests, I think a general question for both of us is, to what extent is your test assessing what you've taught in a kind of like repeat it back to me or you just need to remember certain things versus how much of your test is the student has to think for themselves and come up with something new that they haven't come up with before?
0: Mm. I think that's tougher to do in in a math setting. To yeah, exactly. Have to ask students to do things that they haven't done. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, there will be questions where, like, they have to take two separate lessons and combine them into one, especially, like, in geometry. Okay. Not so much with uh, with my pre-algebra class. Mm-hmm. Like, my pre-algebra class is we show you how to solve equations. Uh. And, of course, it's not the exact same equations that we reviewed, but it's the same types of equations, and you have to solve it for the test. Right. It would be – I think it would be unfair to make a student have to solve a quadratic equation when we've never shown them how to solve a quadratic equation. Of course. We're doing the solving equations part. Um, I guess when you get into, like, here's a word problem – try to come up with an equation to solve it. That's where you could get sort of more, um, you have to think for yourself to come up with the equation for it. But even so, it's it, it would be tough to, to give, and, and in some ways I think unfair, to give to students mm-hmm. like, here's something that we've never done before and you have to think for yourself to try to figure that out.
1: Totally. I guess... I would guess for your classes, maybe if you do that at all, it's like at the start of a unit where you maybe go one step further than they've gone before and say, all right, you know how to figure this out with what you know, what would you have to do differently to figure this slightly more complicated question out? But do you do that more in class.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, and that's okay. where a lot of my uh, intros to lessons, my, what, what I use to grab students' attention with.
1: Would you say like proofs in geometry, even though it's the same level of material on the test, there's this, a, an extent to where they do have to think for themselves because now they have to use their own logic to solve it?
0: A little bit, but I mean we we give them the theorems and, and mm-hmm. something that I did before this last test where we were going over triangle proofs is um, – we had a bunch of proofs where we had to show that two triangles are congruent, mm-hmm. and we went over okay. So you could do side side side, side angle side, angle angle side, angle side angle. Can't do yeah. angle side side.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know what, ASS spells. ASS never
0: works. Um, but but we also said like okay, so you have to get three three things of congruence to show that two yeah two triangles are congruent. And I'm like, okay, so some of the theorems that you'll have to use, if you see that you have parallel lines, you're probably going to be using the alternate interior angle theorem. Okay, right. Or if you have a shared side, you're going to use the reflexive property to say that that side is congruent to itself. Right. Or if you have um, vertical angles. if
1: Yes, the intersecting like an X.
0: Yes, then you could say
1: that two angles
0: are congruent by the vertical angles theorem. So. In some ways, they have to recognize those things on their own. Uh, But at the same time, like I do cover those different aspects of what
1: they need to know. You've given them the tools. They just need to recognize which tool they need to use to solve a problem. Yeah. In that case.
0: Yeah. And and what's nice about having those honor students is it can be a lot more. You have the materials and they are really, really good at using those materials in the ways that they need they i i don't have to show them this is how you use the material to get there they're really Mm -hmm. really good at using the materials themselves to get to where they need
1: nice um speaking from an english perspective and and arabic i guess we can do the same yeah arabic would be there's several times i'm going to actually compare teaching a language to math and this is one of them where yeah you can't just create a new word uh, or, or give a new word that the guys haven't heard before and expect them to know what it is. Um, but, you know, if I put maybe words that they know in a different arrangement than they've seen before, then maybe I, I'm challenging them that way. With English, I think, you know, for the test, what's the point of the test? There's maybe sections where I do expect them to kind of know terms or or be able to describe characters that we've talked about and use And reference things that we've talked about in class. And in that sense, it is kind of like a feedback. Like, do you remember what we talked about about this person? But I think the nice thing with English tests is you can, and probably history and other humanities, is you can give those short uh, essay questions, those extended response questions, where it's like, all right, take what we've talked about here. How does this apply to your life? Or what's a situation like this that you can think of where they do have to be a little more. creative and or where they get to do kind of persuasive writing where it's like, do you think this is the case for this character? Why or why not? And maybe that's the similar thing to your math thing where I've given them the tools, like the tools are the literature. You can pick anything you want from the story to defend your point of view. You have all that stuff, but it's on you now to come up with the right answer there and to be able to describe it well.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's almost like it's objective versus subjective, teaching like the things that are objective like there is or is not a right answer to it correct those are the things that like you need to give the students everything they need to get those whereas the more open-ended things it's talk you know yeah think think for yourself here
1: okay um let's let's get to the nitty-gritty here when reason i got
0: into teaching Right, the reason I got into teaching <laughs> state
1: tests. What are the actual state tests that you have in your first? Talk about that you have to do as a math teacher, and then talk about what the school has in general. So, in Indiana, we have I okay, which is taken.
0: Oh, I. It's taken about a month or two before the school year is over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, there is a math section, there is a language arts section, and for the students that take it, there is a biology section as well, but that's only for honor students at our school, I think. I think only a few students take biology, and they have to take uh, the iLearn portion of that. Okay. To prepare for uh, ILEARN, something that our school has set up is we do interim assessments. That's where every nine weeks we make up, depending on the quarter, about a 17 to 20 question quiz over everything that we covered from that quarter. Okay. And we try to have it so that those questions are ILEARN level questions. Yeah. Um, and since it's over some things that some of the students are a little bit rusty on because it was things that they haven't seen for a couple weeks, usually they don't do the best on that. And it Mm. it, will, depending on what you define as not doing the best on it, because (laughs) if you're saying like a hundred to ninety is an A and ninety to eighty is a B, then yeah, they don't do that great, but. If you're judging it on how I learn, on like what a good percentage is for I learn, yeah, then they're probably doing okay. Okay. Uh, And we do that at the end of every quarter. Plus we do uh, NWEA testing, which is where they take a test at the beginning of the year. They take the same test at the end of the year. They get a score and they try to see how much improvement they have from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Which I would be fine with that being our state testing. Okay. Um, but it's not. Instead, we have iLearn, which is awful.
1: The questions that you put on that nine-week test, you have to make them up? iLearn doesn't give you like sample questions or anything?
0: Well, we use, um, we use a website called Illuminate to make these assessments, and they have item based questions where we can choose oh, okay. what we want. Or we can make questions that we like as well. Okay. Um, but once when we get like really, really close to iLearn, we'll take maybe a week or two to get them, to get the students prepared, and we'll actually take questions from, uh, like released items from the iLearn website. Okay. And give those to our students. Gotcha. And those, those are questions that I, I can actually talk about on the podcast. I can't actually talk about questions from <laughs> the actual I Learn because yeah. uh, you know, there are certain things I signed saying that I can't do that. Uh, but I okay. can talk about practice questions, and they are <laughs> ridiculously hard as well, and that should, should give our listeners an idea of what I learn is actually like.
1: Okay, we might be able to get to that. One question I have from just what you were saying is, You talked about the test every nine weeks is on what you've been learning the nine weeks. Does the ILEARN curriculum, quote unquote, match up with how you would be teaching your class? Like, do you base your curriculum entirely on that? Or is it not entirely on that, but it overlaps enough that it's not difficult to go out of your way to match up what the students are learning to what's going to be on the test? So
0: ILEARN is over all of the eighth grade Indiana math standards. Okay. And we have to teach all the Indiana math aid standards. Okay. Um, and iLearn did give uh, – it does release like roughly how many problems will be on each specific topic. Okay. So we used to spend a lot of time on scientific notation and operations with scientific notation and stuff like that. And then we saw that there would be a maximum of one question – on iLearn oh. on scientific notation. So we spent a little bit less time on that. Now we, all that we do is like, students just need to be able to write numbers in scientific notation and go from scientific notation to standard form. Sure. don't who really doesn't get know how to
1: write? Who doesn't know how to write scientific notation? I mean, I write in scientific notation all the time. I actually totally forget how to do that. <laughs> First
0: number has to be between one and 10. Second, uh, the second value is always ten to a power.
1: Okay. So, tw- well, twenty three would become two point three times ten to the first, first. power. Yeah. Okay.
0: But use but you do it with really really big numbers or really really sure. small decimals. Do- so,
1: do you- would you say the uh, I learn affects the timeline of your teaching or? How much of a class session you feel like or how many classes per week you feel like are dedicated to ILEARN specifically versus just teaching math like you would want to?
0: So I feel like ILEARN kind of guides what we're going to teach, but not necessarily how we teach it.
1: Okay. Um,
0: But it also makes things a little bit difficult because – we have to get basically everything throughout the year done before they take iLearn. Right. And, um,
1: and so if it's two months before the end of the school year, that means you have to kind of fit all your material in two months ahead of schedule.
0: Yeah. So, so we've in years past, like we haven't gotten to probability until after I and we still think it's important to teach the kids. So we still teach it to them. Sure. But, they're not necessarily prepared when they take Island. So something that we've done this year is we've kind of shoveled out maybe one or one week for each quarter to go over a different aspect of probability. Okay. And that way we can at least they'll see a little bit of probability before they take actual Island. But eventually you, you get to the point where like – you have a blanket that isn't covering your toes and then to make up for it, you just slide it down and then your torso is exposed. Like there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's just not enough time to get everything in yeah. to the degree that we want to get it in before they have to take either.
1: Kind of like playing whack-a-mole. Exactly. Huh? Well, and go ahead. what
0: the, the most frustrating thing is what we're told we have to teach does not necessarily line up with what is on the test and I'll, I'll give you an example.
1: yeah, what does that mean?
0: So we have to we have to teach transformations okay uh, And the three basic transformations are uh, well I guess four are translations, reflections, rotations, and dilations.
1: Oh yeah okay.
0: And in the state standards it says, You have to be able to identify the transformations. Okay. It doesn't say that you have to know the rules of what happens to the coordinates.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Whereas if you did have to teach that, that would be like one extra thing and it's going further in depth on that topic.
1: Right. However,
0: if you go to the I learned practice test. Mm Mm-hmm. There is a question that says, identify the three transformations to get from this image to this image. Okay. To get from your pre-image to your image. And I think when I show it to my students, they, every, every student can see. okay, I can see that there's a rotation and there is a dilation. Okay. But I can't, I can't see what the third transformation is. The third transformation is that after it was rotated, they moved it two units up. Oh, wow. And there's no way that a student can know that it wasn't just a rotation as opposed to a rotation and a translation two units up, unless they know that your coordinates, when you do a rotation... Let's see here. what's the rule. If you rotate it, if you rotate it ninety degrees clockwise, if your original coordinates were a b, it becomes b negative a. Yeah, yeah. Where you switch your x and y coordinates, and then your new y coordinate becomes negative. Right. So in order for a student to one hundred percent answer that question, they have to go beyond what the state standards are asking. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of times. I I may have seen some questions on ILEARN where it goes beyond what is asked from the state standards.
1: Now, are you saying it goes beyond it, or are you just saying the description of what is expected for you to teach is vague? Like, they they said know the transformations, but they didn't say, like you said, how in-depth they need to know it.
0: I think that – so this is where teachers almost have to be lawyers. They have to really, really understand the language of what the state standards are mm-hmm. and what that means. And I think that some, sometimes the people making the test mess up on that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the standards are actually very, very descriptive, mm-hmm. um, at least for, for the example that I'm talking about according to the language like we shouldn't have to teach students yeah. what happens to the coordinates after each of the different transformations but according to that practice test question you you do need to know that and gotcha. there are countless examples where like students are almost helpless
1: mm-hmm. when they
0: see a problem like that
1: huh Here's a another kind of general question is what does Indiana use the state tests for? Are they to – like do they end up coming back on you as a like kind of teacher evaluation? Is it just about seeing how the students are doing or how – is it about the school overall? Is it all of them? What all is it measuring?
0: Well, I think ideally it's used for uh, school evaluation. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Indiana has decided to hold schools harmless for, I think think it was the last two years.
1: Oh, because of COVID? Uh,
0: Well, the first year they held harmless because um, it was the first time that they had given iLearn. It used to be iStep, and then they changed it to iLearn. Okay. And the first year that they gave it, they said that they were going to hold... Uh, hold schools harmless. Um, I think they said it was because it was the first time we've given this, and this is to give us an idea of what a passing score is. I think it was because all the schools did so, so poorly because the <laughs> test was way, way too hard. Okay. Um, And I don't think that they've actually held schools accountable for iLearn scores
1: yet. Okay. The,
0: and, and I think COVID has a lot to do with that. They didn't, they didn't give... Um, Twenty twenty they didn't give it at all. Okay. Twenty twenty one, it was kind of controversial, but they did give it, whereas some schools had been remote like the entire year. Yeah. Whereas others had been in person. And I think that there was a drastic um discrepancy in the scores sure. based on that variable.
1: And you, you mentioned the other uh test that does start of the year to the end of the year. What's mm-hmm. that one for? Is that one more for teachers?
0: That is for students to get an idea of how much they've grown. Um, That's actually more for, like, administration to see how well have students been doing. It doesn't – yeah, that doesn't go to, like, anybody in Indiana. Like, it doesn't affect state money or anything like that. It's it's more just for data, for teachers to know where their students are at at the beginning of the year, how much they've grown, and for administration to see – how well the entirety of the school did. Okay. Yeah, and what's nice about NWEA is uh, the results are instant. As soon as they finish the test, the students know what their score was, and then they can show it to me. I can look at how well they did in the fall, and I can see, oh, look, you you grew 13 points over the year. That's a great improvement. Whereas I learned we don't get the results for a couple of months. Yeah. And that's... Uh, and, and so we're, we're basically just waiting and hoping that we get good results, but, um,
1: yeah, it's, I've got, it's frustrating. I've got two questions I want to ask about post I learn, what do you do in the classroom? And then, but first I want to ask about NWEA, who makes that test and in what ways, like, would you say it's like, uh, it, it measures a good difficulty or is it also more difficult than it should be kind of like I learned was
0: so nwea I, th- I i don't know who makes it but um you take so the nwea test that we have our students take is what's called the math growth six plus and i think you start taking it at sixth grade and you continue taking it okay uh, through high school and it's actually the same test however the test is designed um that The more questions you get right, the tougher the questions get. Sure. So there have been times where I've walked around and I see students and they have to just have to answer what time it is on the clock. And I know that, okay, these students probably haven't been doing that well because they're looking at elementary level questions. Yeah. Whereas sometimes, and I tell students like, if you're doing really well, you might see questions you've never seen before. And you might see words you've never seen before where like sometimes my geometry students, they'll see stuff that's calc level or trig level. Um, And I tell them like, if you see it, if you, the problems that like are difficult, maybe read it two or three times and do your best. But if you see a problem that like you words, you've never seen before, just put a guess down and move on. Like Mm -hmm. don't, yeah, don't overexert yourself on questions you've never seen before. Sure. And uh, one time, just for fun, I actually took the NWEA test myself. Oh, nice. And uh, there were a couple questions that that stumped me. Really? Yeah. It was – but it it was – shoot, I forget what the topic was.
1: Were they things you had known at one point or was it Maybe. Okay.
0: Maybe. um, Yeah, maybe.
1: All right. And then the – What is the post I learn time like for you? Because I I think about, you know, AP classes, if we want to use a different standardized test to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, those come in early May and depending on how long your school year goes, you have a couple of weeks, maybe a month where you're done with the APs and some teachers kind of lean back. Some of them just finish up the, the material they didn't quite get to. What do you do with your time in those two months or whatever after?
0: Yeah, there is still a little bit of material that I haven't got to.
1: Because and like you said about the blanket where you have until you cut, yeah. So you fi- yeah. you're fit you. finishing the blanket. Exactly. Okay.
0: Um, and let's see here. I think somebody I teach with usually says that he does get it done. He does get through all of his standards before I learned. And I think he said that afterwards he has a project where uh, students have to teach one lesson over something that they've gone over that year okay and uh, that if, if I actually tried that one year and sometimes it didn't go that well but if <laughs> anything it at least gets the students to appreciate what what we have to go through on a day-to-day <laughs> basis to get, Students ready um, yeah. to get students understanding a topic. Gotcha. For my geometry class, like the last week of school, we're pretty much done with everything. And that's where I give students options to do different things. Okay. Um, one, one thing that I've done is there's a graphing calculator online called Desmos. And okay. I used it to, I typed in like five or six different equations and I made a snowman. Okay, cool. And I showed the students, like, all right, this is the general equation to make a circle. Yeah. You have to make this image. Okay, cool. Um, And there's also a – there's an app on the iPad called Euclidea where um, basically in the the app you have a compass and a straight edge. And you have to solve these different levels where one of them is, like, you have to make an equilateral triangle. Yeah. Um, and I don't get to – that's one thing that I wish that, that I, I don't get to as much throughout the year. Okay. Um, so to kind of supplement that, I'll give them – all right. See if you can solve the first eight levels. And then yeah. I'll give them a piece of paper and say, okay, you have a compass and a straight edge. Now solve these levels on pencil and paper. And it might – like they might not know – you know, the next year, how do you create an equilateral triangle with a compass and a straight edge, but, um, they at least know a little bit of, there's some really, really cool things that you can do with a compass and a straight edge to create these different images.
1: Right. I'm curious about how the snowman one turns out, because I could picture like, they know how to make circles, they know how to make lines, but do the circles end up in the wrong place or do they end up with a big circle on top of a Mm. little circle, like a totally top-heavy snowman?
0: Yeah, so I'll I'll show them the general equation for a circle, but I'll also tell them like, okay, this value here is your x-coordinate. This value here is your y-coordinate for the center of the circle. And the r-squared, that's the value of the radius. So if you change your r-value... And what's cool about Desmos is they can actually just type in this general equation and then they can you, – you can almost like shift what each of the values are and the students can see how it affects okay. the circle. So they can use that. They can kind of do a little bit of guess and check to figure out where everything needs to go and what the values need to be in order to make that happen.
1: Cool. Well, last thing for me is I'm, I just want to give you the floor and get on your soapbox or whatever and let it out as far as your feelings about the all of standardized testing, the, the specific stuff you have to do, maybe the positives, but the things you wish weren't there. How Say anything you feel like you haven't gotten out yet.
0: I just wish that there were people who were – it was more people who were teaching at that level that were making these tests. Okay. Um. There, There's somebody who I teach with who was sort of part of this test-making process. And the people that were having the final say on these decisions had no idea what they were talking about. They had never been in the classroom. They don't have a good idea of what these students are expected to know, what level they're capable of being at. Mm-hmm. And they haven't. I, I don't think that they've looked at the standards as well. You know, as thoroughly as a lot of teachers have. Mm-hmm. And it's really really frustrating to see tests that, heck, some teachers couldn't pass. Wow. <laughs> being being administered, um, and also I, I'm able to see the the English IELT test as well. Yeah. And the difference in difficulty between the language arts and the math, for me, I, I think is staggering. Really? Whereas I I would feel comfortable. I think most math teachers could take the language arts I learn and do okay. Okay, yeah. I think that if language arts teachers had to take the math no section chance. of I learn, they'd do horrible.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: And I would just really, really emphasize to the people making these tests or to the people deciding that we need to have standardized tests. If you've held schools harmless the last two years and still been able to get a good idea of what good schools are and what bad schools are, why do you even need the test at all? Hmm. We don't need this. I'm sure we can come up with a different way to evaluate students teachers and schools in general Mm -hmm. than this test that is hard to motivate students to want to take and uh, is really, really frustrating to them.
1: Mm -hmm. The only thing I'd say to that is, you know, with my school, we don't have any state standardized tests. We obviously do APs and, do a lot of SAT and ACT stuff. But as like an Arabic teacher, as an English teacher, I don't I don't think I would benefit from it or I, I wouldn't want to be kind of hamstrung. But as an Arabic teacher, it is kind of nice to have a set of standards you're shooting for. Um, And I think, you know, I've gone to some Arabic teacher conferences and one of the things that high school level Arabic teachers lament is just a kind of a lack of, anything standard as far as like what textbook is being used or um, what evaluation process there is because you know these are high schools they're not at the college level yet but it's hard because you do I love the freedom I have um, but there is something to it's nice to have a specific end goal and you know part of that is you can work out what your curriculum is and you can set your own goals but sometimes it's nice to have that kind of overarching thing where you can even compare with other teachers and other schools. Mm.
0: Yeah, I get that. And, and I, and I think that we, that we do kind of have that with NWEA. Yeah. And I I don't see how it would be a big deal for that just to be, if, if every School in the state said, all right, we're doing NWE at the beginning of the year and the end of the year. And if growth is what you're looking for in a school, like that's a much, much better indicator versus every student needs to be at this level. It's, mm. it's not fair because different schools, different demographics, mm-hmm. it's it's just not fair for to expect every student in the same state to be at a certain level.
1: Right. If you're boiling if you're boiling down a school or a department's performance to their average number and making it just a one number thing, then yeah, you're ignoring each different student's success rate or level of growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. All right. So here's a funny story for me. So I, you know, with teaching English, you have students send in their papers and we do a lot of that electronically, and so I expect them to attach things or upload them to our, our database or whatever. We'll explain how that works in a different episode. But sometimes if they do it wrong or if they're doing a rewrite, I'll say, email me. And not a lot of them know how to download their documents and attach them correctly. So a lot of the times what they do is they share the documents, and that's fine. It ultimately gets to me, whatever. But this kid was sharing from his Google Docs, which, again, is fine, but it was his personal account so the funny part to me was i got to see his personal gmail account and the gmail address he has for that instead of you know j smith at christ school it's you know whatever you want it to be and this guy's email address was mj swagger 33 at blah 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 blah, to to protect his privacy (laughs) MJ Swagger 33. I love it. Wait, wouldn't it be MJ Swagger 23? Well, this is. There's many questions. Was MJ Swagger 23 taken already? Is he the new MJ and he's going to be number 33? I don't know.
0: Was this was this student's initials MJ?
1: No, but he's got the MJ Swagger. MJ Swagger. He's got the MJ Swagger. 33. Maybe he's number 33. 33. Maybe he's number 33 and he has the MJ swagger. That's what I'm saying.
0: But that's Scotty Pippen's number.
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's got the number of Scotty, but the swagger of MJ. Who knows?
0: Yeah, this, uh, more questions than answers in, in this situation, I
1: think. More questions than answers is right.
0: All right. That's a great story.
1: All right. Let's play some numbers game, Joe.
0: All right. Uh, today's question. In the years that he has made it to the playoffs, what is the average number of playoff games LeBron James has played in his career?
1: Yeah, so now we get we we had the sports metaphors in our first episode. We haven't really referenced the sports as much recently, mm-hmm. but I like that we've got a, a sports-related question here. Um, you know, I think this is one that if I thought really hard about it, I could get a a pretty precise answer because I could go through how well. No, I I I could tell you how far LeBron went almost every year. I couldn't tell you how many you know how long each series was. Like how many times he swept versus how many series went to seven games.
0: See, I th- I think I could give you individual series.
1: Oh my gosh! I think I, I could. Had such a good memory.
0: I think I could. We we could talk about that after the pod. But I think I could.
1: Okay. All right, so my guess is 20 games.
0: And I put 19.
1: You put 19. Okay, Hi, and, and just for reference, if he went all the way to the finals and every series was a seven-game series, that would be 28 games, correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... Uh, Here's the question. How do we find the answer to this? I guess we got to go to basketball reference. Basketball reference. reference. Yeah. And then look at, look at, um, so we got to, we got to go to each season though, because we don't we don't just want to find the total number of games LeBron played uh, in the playoffs. We've got to find out each, each time he went there. Okay. So I guess what you need to do is, is take the number of years he made the playoffs and then, and, or the number of playoff games he played total divided by the number, number of years he yeah. actually made the playoffs. Okay, you're you're not in your head. You're like, yeah, I know, I already did it.
0: Okay, so LeBron James has played a total of 266 playoff oh games. Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, he first made the playoffs in 2006,
1: and then he was in the playoffs every year, every year
0: except for when he got injured with the Lakers
1: 2019.
0: So 15 times. So
1: 266 games in 15 different seasons. Yeah. And that checks out too. You got a calculator? Come on. You can do 266 divided by 15, can't you?
0: It's It's um, not 20
1: though, because that would be 300, wouldn't it? It's not 20. No.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, It's, let's see here. It's just less than 270, so it's... Like 17 point something.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I lost again. At least this one was close. Yeah. All right. So I got to do a dirty dozen now. A dirty dozen. And a dirty dozen, for those of you that don't know. Oh, yeah. Let's explain. Jamil's got to do one
0: push up. He's got to do one crunch. Then two push ups. Then two crunches. Then three. Then three. Four. Four. All the way up to 12 and down to 12. They're back down to one. Right. And that's the equivalent of doing 144 pushups. Don't tell me that. And
1: 144 pushups. <laughs> don't crunches. tell me that. Right. So hopefully, I don't uh, take up all my phone memory uh, that the video doesn't take <laughs> so long that I can't actually get the recording in. But I will try to get that recording up. All right. I think that's it for today. Best of luck to you. Thanks. Learn them good. Learn them good.